Thanks for joining us, and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. Hello and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Today we have a fascinating story of a man who went to hell. And while in hell, he saw friends he knew and goes into detail about the agony that they are in right now, in hell. It all started with a bad childhood and went into adulthood. So now we're going to hear the story of Ron Reagan on the Sid Roth It's Supernatural television show. Heaven, hell, are these just religious terms or are they real? What would you say if an individual that had never read the Bible was not a churchgoer at all, had an experience and actually saw some of his friends burning in hell? That's my guest, Ron Reagan. I'm going to take you back to a 12-year-old youngster. You're not Jewish, but if you were, I'd say not even bar mitzvah. A 12-year-old youngster. And your father did something that crushed your heart. Tell me about that. I was raised very poor, Sid, uh, in the mountains of eastern Tennessee. I walked uh, two miles to catch the school bus. On one of these trips to catch the school bus, I walked through a little widow woman's yard. She called me aside and said, son, I want to give you a gift. That gift was a little lamb, which became my friend. Now, I I don't Uh, know much about lambs, but uh, could they be similar to a dog or a cat? Well, uh, very similar, Uh, goat, sheep, Mm -hmm. uh, this was just a baby lamb, white, fluffy, you, just a you pet. you sleep with the lamb? <laughs> no. Okay, no, I'm just curious. Uh, just curious, yeah. <laughs> no. You know uh, what it did for the cat. Sure, that's what... <laughs> sure, right, right. But uh, I was uh, uh, the first of three children in a very abusive home. My dad was uh, a drunkard, uh, beat us uh, consistently, my mother as well as the kids. But this lamb was uh, very dear to me. It was... a in fact, kind of a security to me. No toys, no, uh, no one to play with there in the mountains. And uh, I was very close to this lamb. And even after several months, it would wait on me in the pasture field when I would come home from school. And much like a dog or a cat, it was a, a very real pet and a friend to me. But one afternoon when I came home, the lamb was missing. And I heard my dad cursing as usual. He was working on an automobile. And I didn't want to get hit or curse that day, so I, I tried to walk uh, a wide berth around the car he was working on. And when I got to the other side, I looked down at the ground, and there was my lamb covered with blood. And in a, in a fit of anger and rage, uh, 
the lamb had come around wanting to play. And my dad had taken a tar tool and plunged it through that lamb's body. It was covered with blood. Of course, it was dead. Ron. Yes. It's difficult going back a number of years. What did you feel the second you saw that lamb? Rage, hatred, anger. Uh, I really believe at that point in my life I was completely overcome with hatred. And, did and you want anger. to kill your father? Yes, I did. Uh, I wanted to hurt, to kill anything that represented authority in any form. What, what did, did you tell your father? Did you run there? What, or were you so afraid of him you backed off? I actually, at that point in life, just, uh, just ran away. Ran away from home, ran into the woods, the mountains, uh, screaming. The first afternoon and night in the woods, I, I was just screaming, he's killed the lamb, he's killed my lamb. How long were you away from home then? Probably from that point on, uh, given a few times the juvenile authorities would bring me back from there on until I was married, I never lived at home again. Wait a second, time. how does a 12-year-old without money, angry, fend for himself? You do the best you can. You stay with uh, whoever will have you. Many times I slip uh, on the ground, under bushes, in cardboard boxes. Uh, just the best you can do, that's what you do. Out of curiosity, 12-year-old, alone, hate your father, lost your best friend, the lamb. Did you, were you fearful at all? No, from that point onward, uh, I never had fear. I think I... That's, I, a, that's unusual. No fear at all. Probably uh, so much hatred. If, if there was any fear there, it was completely covered, buried so okay. deep I couldn't get to it. Okay. You got married at a young age. How old? Seventeen. Seventeen. How about your wife? Fifteen. Fifteen. Mm. <laughs> well, if you were on your own at thirteen, you grew up. Yeah, twelve. I mean, you grew up fast. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, was your life a life of crime? Exactly. I I was in the reform school, uh, off and on, many times in juvenile county jails. Uh, by the time I was fifteen, I was in a holding place for a state prison. Uh, I was there doing time for manslaughter at 15 years old. Hated uh, everybody and everything. How much time did you have to do for manslaughter? Uh, about a year and three months before I made parole. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to talk about because of the, the years of, of pent up hatred and, and emotion. I look back on those days and I, I'm ashamed. Drugs? Drugs, crime. Alcohol? Alcohol. Were you addicted or just a social drinker? I was addicted, extremely addicted to speed and alcohol. Just uh, if I couldn't, if I didn't have the money to purchase them, I robbed or beat or stole whatever I had to do to get the drugs. Did, did you care alcohol. if you died? No, no. No cure at all. It and what would have happened to you if you died? Did you even think about it? Do whatever you want to. I mean, you know, leave me lay and I don't care. What was the purpose no. of life? I didn't know. Probably to see who's on top. Well, one day you ended up cutting yourself and bleeding to death. Tell me about that day. Well, I was uh, 
25 years old, actually, when that happened. I was married, the father of three children at that time. Uh, the life of crime had escalated many times to the point of uh, where my wife would have to leave for her own safety. And actually, I got to the point I was just like my father before me. I beat my wife. My children were afraid of me. Uh, numerous times I would beat the walls and just utter frustration and rage and anger. And it was at that point in life that uh, this fight I got into, I was all the time fighting. I was in the jail for, for uh, abuse, for uh, uh, disorderly conduct, for brawling, for attacking police officers. If you wore a badge or rode in a police car, you, you were my target, you know. I, I wanted, uh, I always wanted an altercation or a, an incident where I could ventilate my rage. And what happened to you? Well, at that point in life, at 25 years old, my son was with me, was just five, started into a little uh, 7-Eleven convenient type store, met a man in the doorway. Uh, he pushed on the door, I pushed on the door, that's all it took. To, to ignite me. And I just hit him. I just busted his head. Just knocked him down in the floor. And I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. And I want you to find out what happened when the blood drained out and he saw hell. Don't go away. Hello again. This is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. So Ron Reagan was in a convenience store. He was pushing on the door one way. Another man was pushing the other way. You found out how volatile Ron was. Uh, so Ron, who won? Well, <laughs> probably he did. I knocked, I knocked the man down. He fell in a, a stack of bottles. You knocked him down by just pushing the oh, door? No, no I whacked him side the head with my fist. Oh my goodness. Just knocked him down. He fell in a stack of bottles. Glass went all over the store, people screaming, running. But he got up with a broken, uh, a large quart bottle, broken bottle, and started stabbing, started stabbing me. How badly? Uh, actually, the first stab was for my face, and I lifted my left arm to, to stop mm -hmm. the blow. The first uh, stab wound severed the biceps muscle, the artery, the ligaments, and the tendons in my left arm completely, all the way to the bone. Blood was gushing out with every beat of the heart, just like squirting out of a, a hose. And uh, but I was so enraged and full of anger that I, that didn't mean anything to me. I just kept striking out at him with my other arm, and he kept stabbing. You know, cut me several times, and uh, he meant to kill me. I didn't know it at the time. He'd just gotten out of prison himself for uh, for. Uh, cutting someone so well, well how did this altercation if, and that's a minor <laughs> way to describe it end up well uh in in a few moments the the manager of that store came over 
and just literally screamed and said, that, young man, if you don't get to a hospital, you're going to die right here in the store. And I, that kind of uh, got my attention. And, I, you know, blood was all over the floor and just pumping out of my body. My little son was hysterical, jumping up and down, screaming. Uh, people were, were, you know, uh, panicking. That sounds worse than seeing that dead lamb, your son watching that. Uh, that's, that's very difficult for me to even remember that. But uh, the man offered to drive me to uh, the hospital, the nearest hospital, mm -hmm. which he did. He, I got in the passenger side of my own car. He got under the wheel. My little son was in the back and uh, drove two miles to the nearest hospital. I had no tourniquet. I wasn't really trying to stop the bleeding other than just placing my hand on it. By the time we came to the uh, emergency room, I was near, so near death, I couldn't even open my eyes. The floorboard was filled with blood. Uh, everything was just going round and around. I remember the, the emergency room team. I could hear them. I could not even see them. But they were saying, we can't help him. He's lost too much blood. The arm will probably have to be amputated. We need to prep him and, and try to ship him to another hospital. And uh, uh, everything was in pandemonium. Uh, someone had called my wife who was nearby. She had made it to the emergency room, joined uh, there and got my son. Were you in a, aware of what was going on or had you almost passed out? I, I was just in a uh, semi-conscious uh, state. I could hear the voices, but I you know, I wasn't really aware of what was going on. Well, did they take you then in an ambulance to the other hospital? They did. They, they began to, to give me IVs and blood and, you know, uh, put me in an ambulance at that point and, and shipped me to Baptist Hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, some 18 miles away. My wife was in the ambulance with me, got right on in the ambulance with me, and uh, uh, the ambulance took off. Uh, lights, siren, and uh, uh, a young man, the paramedic in that ambulance, uh, leaned over me and, and said uh, something to me. I didn't quite understand what he even meant. He said, sir, uh, you're in serious trouble. He said, you need to call on the Lord. But well, wait a second. I thought they weren't allowed to do things like that. Evidently, uh, that's my understanding. Evidently, uh, this young man must have been uh, prompted to do that or, or just risked his job to do that. Well, well, how did you respond to that question? I cursed him. You know, I just lashed out at him. I cursed him. If I'd had the strength, I'd have probably hit him. Really? I, what I rage? Just, uh, anything I didn't understand, I lashed out at it. I was very paranoid, very uh, intimidated. Uh, if I didn't understand it, I just hit it. I struck out at it. But uh, again, this young man said to me, Sir, uh, the Lord will help you. And, and eventually he used the name Jesus. I didn't understand what that meant. And uh, I cursed him and cursed uh, Jesus and, and uh, was just a, a lunatic. I was just a raving lunatic at that point. But uh, as he kept trying to talk to me, said uh, something happened in that ambulance uh, all of a sudden I thought the ambulance exploded it, it filled with smoke with flames 
I didn't understand it. I literally thought it exploded. Were you afraid at that point? Well, you know, I, I was excited. I didn't know what was happening. I thought, here I am, uh, you know, bleeding to death, and now the ambulance is blown <laughs> up. So uh, This is not your day. No, right. <laughs> so what happened right. next? Um, well, immediately, as soon as the, the smoke and the flames came, I had the sensation of, of just floating up out of that ambulance. Uh, I'm, I'm moving like through the, through the smoke, through the cloud, accelerating speed all were, the were time. Were you feeling pain at all? Uh, not at that point, no. You, so you sort of floated out of your body almost. Yeah. Then what happened? Yeah. Uh, it was black, it was dark all around me. It was like I was going through the, the, the darkness of the smoke. And I became aware of voices. A multitude of voices. I couldn't see them at that point, but I could hear screams and uh, uh, agonizing groans, and and it was getting louder and louder. And uh, then I came out of the the smoke, and I was looking down, looking downward into what appeared to be the mouth of a of an active volcano. Well, that wasn't the mouth of an active volcano, but we'll find out what that was. We'll be back right after this. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube. With Ron Reagan, we found out he was dying, and all of a sudden it was like an explosion, and flames in the ambulance, the blood had been drained out of him. He found himself out of his body, and he found himself going, Ron, you said, into a canyon? It, it appeared to a be crater a, or? an active volcano, like looking into mm -hmm. the mouth of an active volcano going downward, downward. Uh, then the most horrifying part of this to me, uh, I begin to see with uh, close-up vision the faces of individuals that I had known through the years. People that I had robbed with, that I had parted with, that I had fought with. Uh, each of them had died in, in a tragic uh, accident or uh, had been shot to death or died of an overdose of drugs. Uh, you and, knew uh, that these people had died? Yes. And then you saw them in I there? I saw them in and there. Did they all die violent deaths? Every one of them that I saw and recognized had died a violent, tragic death. What were these people doing in hell? They were screaming. They were burning. They were in like a lake of fire. They were burning, but they weren't being consumed. Uh, multitudes of them. And, but the most horrible pain of all was perhaps the the atmosphere of depression and oppression and loneliness and helplessness. And now, now, wait a second. You had never read the Bible. No. You, you'd been to church maybe once or twice in your life. You didn't know anything about hell. No. How did you see this? It, to me, I, I thought this is, uh, I'd never been afraid. I'd been beaten, uh, shot, uh, abused. Uh, fear was a, a, a small thing in my life. This was something I definitely didn't understand. 
And it really made me think there's more going on than I know about or I realize. Did they communicate with you at they all? They did. What they say? They screamed my name, these people that knew me. They screamed at me and said, uh, Ronnie, don't come here. There's no way out. There's no escape. Don't come here. There's no hope. Go away. Don't come here. And I listened to this and I looked into their faces. Uh, there's Richard that had died in a robbery attempt. His heart was blown out of his body in front of me on a sidewalk in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, another friend, Freddie, was drowned underneath his automobile in, in a river. We couldn't get the car off of him. He died drunk. Uh, on and on. I, I, it tears me up to even talk about it now. But I saw them screaming and, and saying, Don't come here. There's no hope. Go, go back. Go back. And... Uh, then, I don't know how long this went on, but I could smell the most horrible smell I could see. What did it uh, smell like? Uh, sulfur, uh, like an electric welder, uh, uh, horrible smells that I couldn't even uh, describe. Uh, I could feel the heat. I could hear the screams. I could smell the smell. The Th senses. These people were suffering. Yes, they were in horrible, agonizing torment. See, it, I, I've held people in my arms as they died. I've held them in my arms on the street. I've looked at them as we burned them to death behind bars in the prison, covered them with lighter fluid, ignited their body, burned them up. Uh, this was something beyond, beyond what I had ever known in the natural. This was something I did not understand. And they were screaming to me, go back, don't come here. There's no escape if you come here. And, and then immediately, bang, I don't, I don't know how long this went on, but I woke up in a hospital room in Baptist Hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee. My wife was standing there. She said, you made it. They, they left the arm. They wanted to amputate it, but decided to leave it. But uh, I was looking at her and I was hearing her, but my mind was remembering what I had just seen. I didn't were, understand. Were you it. able as the days went by to forget that experience? No, no never, never. Uh, from that point on, I didn't want to be in a dark room. I Wait a second, a from 12 on. years old, you were a macho man, yes. no fear of anything, not yes. even death, and you're telling me what yes. you saw was fearful. It, it put fear in me that I knew nothing about or Let or me take you now to a church that your wife took you to. You finally went to this church, yes. and something struck a nerve. What happened? On November the 2nd, 1972, 15 minutes to 12, my wife had been converted. She had accepted Messiah. I, I went with her on her invitation to a church. I uh, didn't know what the pew was, what the Bible was. The minister got up to speak. I wouldn't have known one scripture from another, but he chose to read uh, John 1:29, which says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. When he said the Lamb of God, he had my attention see it. I could remember my lamb. I didn't understand what he was saying. And the blood squirting out of oh, that yes, lamb. Oh, yes, yes. As a little child. And, and this man said, the lamb of God is Jesus Christ. He's the sacrifice. He's the redeemer. He's the savior for all of man's ills and sins and wickedness. Uh, he gave, he gave an, an opportunity to pray. I tried Ron, to leave. Ron Reagan, I know that you prayed. I must know this. Drugs alcohol, cursing, crime. That was your way of life. What happened with those things? I was delivered instantaneously. No withdrawal. 
my nature was changed. I was changed uh, from violence and hatred to love. And Are you married uh, to the same woman today? Exactly. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor, full-time senior pastor. How many churches have you started? Started four churches. Do you have a college education? I went back and earned a master's degree after I was 40 years old. Is God good? He's wonderful. He's wonderful. I tell you that God is good. If God can take a Ron Reagan, a man that didn't care if he killed someone, a man so filled with hate, look at the mercy of God. He showed Ron hell, a man that didn't believe in hell, a man that knew nothing about hell, but it sounded just like the description in the Bible. And look at the transformation in his life. The Jewish scriptures say, the prophet Daniel, those who are buried in the dust, some shall rise to everlasting life. Sounds good to me and some to everlasting condemnation. Sounds like just what Ron Reagan described. Everlasting means no chance of return. That's it, finish. If you don't make the right decision in this life, your decision is made for you when you die. I'm reminded of a famous prophet who said, why will you die? O house of Israel, choose life, l'chaim. The way you choose life is to choose God. The way you choose God is the lamb who died for you, and his blood was shed. And by belief in that blood, God says, and he says this in the Jewish scriptures in Daniel and Jeremiah, I, God, will remember your sins no more. It's wonderful. And then he says, you will know him like Ron knows him and like I know him. And I believe like you are going to know him. Please join us on the Watchman News Network. It's a video news presentation of relevant stories dealing with end time topics. Just subscribe to the Watchman on the Wall podcast on YouTube and you will instantly have access to our latest WNN report. That's the Watchman News Network exclusively found on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Any comments or suggestions you may have, you can send to the Watchman on the Wall 2020 at gmail.com. We encourage you to subscribe so you'll always be notified of our future episodes. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall podcast.